Welcome back to Lux Insider with me your host Anita Khatri. We are already in the last month of 2021. For the majority of India, the last month of the year is the wedding season. In this episode, I'm joined by a friend who'll unpack the different layers of the big fat Indian wedding. Potential brides and grooms, this episode is for you. But before that, let's take a quick look at the latest in the world of luxury. The fashion industry poured in tributes for Louis Vuitton's director of menswear and the founder of streetwear brand Off-White, the celebrated designer Virgil Abloh. He was known for pushing boundaries thanks to his childlike curiosity and eagerness to instill a sense of playfulness. To pay tribute, Louis Vuitton launched their first US fashion show at Miami, titled Virgil Was Here. The focal point of the show was a giant red Louis Vuitton monogrammed hot air balloon that got illuminated as Abloh's voice played in the background. Luxury fashion brands have expanded their business to include children's wear. You heard it on our show first with Off-White. Now, the Parisian luxury fashion and accessory brand Jacquemus has launched its children's wear capsule collection in the pink color palette continuing the founder's obsession with bright fuchsia pink. The collection is targeted at children aged 3 to 10. Looking closer to home, the wedding of Bollywood actors Katrina Kaif and Vicky Kaushal was held at Six Senses Fort Barwara in Rajasthan. The Indian weddings business seems to be bouncing back. Wedding planners, venue operators and hotels are optimistic of full recovery with a surge in big fat Indian weddings this season. That was all on the news this week. Moving on to this week's focus, luxury weddings. Seema Aunty from 2020 Netflix show Indian Matchmaking believed that her efforts for a match are of no use. if the stars are not aligned majority of indians believe that matches are made in heaven but it is the pomp and the grandeur which really marks an indian wedding even today weddings are significant milestones in indian families deeply rooted in tradition and culture an average indian family spends a third of their life's earnings in getting their children married every event planned to the detail the celebration of the coming together of a couple and their families can last for a minimum 2 to 3 days with multiple events and a long guest list of 300 to 1000 people that was pre covid times what about the post covid times i caught up with my friend parthip tyagrajan the co-founder and ceo of india's leading bridal media brand weddingsutra.com founded in 2000 much ahead of its time weddingsutra.com went on to become a trusted source of wedding centric information reaching out to millions of to be weds in india and outside i spoke with parthip to understand the current dynamics of the wedding industry the most happening wedding destinations today and also some tips for potential brides and grooms 
on how to work around the multiple vendors involved in the creation of the big fat Indian wedding. Let's hear from Parthip. Parthip, thank you for joining us today. Thank you for your time. And we are so looking forward to understand this very interesting and integral part of any Indian family that is weddings. Thank you, Anita, for inviting me. And I'm looking forward to the interaction today. Thanks. Thanks, Parthip. So, Parthip, I have been always intrigued with this and I finally get this opportunity to ask you this question. So, why weddings? What was the driving factor for you in 2000 to move from mainstream media to weddings? Very interesting question, Anita. And since we have been colleagues earlier, uh, you will find it even more interesting. Uh, I am from a background, I'm from a South Indian background where weddings have always been simple affairs. And uh, for me, the motivation to start Wedding Sutra was the fact that I could be finally be an entrepreneur. 2000, as you know, was the year of dot-coms. Many uh, uh, officers and managers from the Times Group were quitting to start a dot-com or join a dot-com. I didn't know anything about the wedding industry. But there's one thing I knew about the wedding industry. A significant proportion of advertising budgets are devoted to the wedding segment. So back then, if you're looking at Times of India as a publication, photography companies like Kodak, travel companies like SOTC, uh, jewelry companies like Tanishq and um, uh, the uh, De Beers, many of their campaigns were centered around weddings. So even though I didn't know much about the wedding industry and how it works, I knew that a platform like Wedding Sutra, whose primary revenue model was advertising, would always have it easy with advertising budgets coming from agencies as well as brands. So that's my answer, Anita. Well, you were on right track is all I can say and really proud of you how far you have come as far as wedding industry is concerned. Uh, This platform, of course, has gained that trust from the audience. My next question would be, how has the wedding industry changed since 2000 in terms of hiring planners and becoming a robust industry? When do you think this idea of hiring wedding planners in India really take off? You know, Anita, since we once spoke about the movie Band Baja Bharat, I want to tell you about another movie, Monsoon Wedding by Meera Nair, which released somewhere in the year 2002, where the person who is the uh, mandap person, he is a very crude person. And, um, you know, the family is just kind of um, kicking him around and, you know, telling him to hurry up. And from that, and he was the only person who was primarily depicted working at the wedding. You, you didn't see makeup artists, photographers, designers, anybody else. Fast forward to 2010, thanks to social media, uh, you know, uh, there was, there, you, you saw a, a, a lot of interest in wedding photography as a, you know, as a profession and a lot of engineers started 
pursuing wedding photography over the weekend. Uh, a lot of event planners who would not take on weddings. Uh, we know many, you know, since we are both from, uh, you know, a media company, we knew they were event managers really started, event management as such started taking off as a profession in the late 90s, but many of them would not touch weddings. Uh, but post 2010, 11, uh, you know, event management companies started a wedding vertical just as how advertising agencies all started a digital vertical. And Band Baja Bharat, of course, you know, really glorified the wedding planner. But it is at the end of the day, does not give the real uh, glimpse into the real world of the wedding planner. After all, we all know real life is so different from real life. And my answer to that question on the popularity of wedding planners, I would say India is one country, while the wedding industry may be huge, in 90% of the cases, it is a mother who is the wedding planner. When I started off Wedding Sutra in 2000, I happened to meet a common friend who is a very well-known jewelry designer. And she was the one who shared this insight that the, the wedding of one's son or daughter is something uh, a woman, whether she's a working woman or a non-working woman, looks forward to all her life. And she plans it all. Yes, if it is a very big wedding, it's a big budget wedding with 500 or 1000 plus guests, event management companies step in for execution. That said, most wedding planners are primarily involved in execution of various uh, logistics related or uh, entertainment uh, and deco related stuff. And it is the parents, especially the mother, along with the event management company stroke wedding planner who co-create the affair to remember. Partip so well explained. And uh, yes, mother is essentially the, uh, not only the planner, I think she uh, dreams, dreams of this day. Parthip, you mentioned the difference between the real and the real life. Can you explain what goes on behind the scenes? I think to a great extent, it just builds interest in weddings as a profession. And many women, young men and women dream of pursuing a career as a wedding planner. But what they don't realize is beyond wedding planning, there are so many opportunities for creative and talented professionals. I have already spoken to you about candid wedding photography and wedding films. There's wedding bartending, there is wedding catering, makeup, styling, uh, decor designing, and uh, there's trousseau packaging, gifting, the list could go on and on. At the Wedding Sutra Influencer Awards, one of the winners was a lady from Dehradun. Uh, she's an alumni of Velems. She's always lived in Dehradun. And today, ever since the JW Marriott Masuri became a hotspot for destination weddings, she's there almost every week during the peak season to assemble wedding cakes. So that gives you a little insight into how there are options and more options uh, for creative professionals in the wedding industry. And when I meet uh, people from all over the country who have made their own mark 
in something or the other relating to weddings, be it as a live entertainer, DJ, choreographer, MC, and how they are traveling to different places, it is very heartwarming. The one thing which is common for all the people who are working in the wedding industry is not only about their creativity and talent, but most of them are people-oriented and they enjoy going to spaces. These are not wedding venues. I call them happy spaces where there is happy energy and that is what they love most about their job. Happy spaces. Since you mentioned about these happy spaces, which according to you are the current most sought after wedding destinations for the ultra HNIs or the, uh, the wealthy people? Because these destinations earlier were uh, mostly international destinations. Now with lockdown, things would have changed. So how have they changed and which are the most popular current sought after wedding destinations? You're right that a lot of ultra HNIs were considering international locations pre-COVID. But many of them had, uh, you know, uh, weddings in one of their palace-like homes or their farmhouses. And of course, palace properties in Rajasthan um, and uh, luxury resorts in Goa, Kerala were and continue to be popular. Post-pandemics, most families have come up with a plan B. Uh, what, pandem- what the pandemic has taught us is that uh, among uh, like everything about life, but when I look at the lens of celebrations, it is what you call tolerance to ambiguity. You could be the bride who's dreamt of getting married, uh, you know, in a large palace wedding, but you also realize in these times, uh, your dream of having that particular theme may not be fulfilled And if it doesn't get fulfilled, it's not the end of the world. You have a plan B, which means you can still have the wedding of your dreams in your home or at a hotel next door or a farmhouse or resort, which is not too far from your hometown. And since we live in Bombay, I will tell you about how locations such as Lonavla, Alibagh, Karchat and a little beyond these places, Pune, among others, have seen a surge in inquiries or or for most five-star hotels in the city, which are centrally located, they are all unavailable in on the auspicious dates. And if people are not able to travel for a destination wedding, they, they have a destination style wedding in their hometown, which means 50 of their friends could check into the JW Marriott Sahar or Juhu or Taj Lands and Bandra or Santa Cruz and have a destination uh, destination wedding style wedding in their hometown. What is this destination wedding in your hometowns? Like what, what, when you're saying Bandra, elaborate a little bit. Like what you're saying is that in Bandra, Taj Lands and or JW Marriott, you check in and 50 of your guests check in. It's basically you're saying that people don't have to travel from uh, all over Bombay. But they come and park themselves for two two nights at JW Marriott or Taj Lanzan and enjoy. And the de- it still feels like a destination. Absolutely, you said that right. Since traveling can be a, a bit of a core, especially for senior citizens. And the fun of attending a wedding 
may just you know kind of uh, go if you are uh, you know you have to travel in the morning and the evening what you end up doing is on day one you all guests check in especially the close friends check in and you have a welcome dinner day two you have the wedding and you follow it up with a cocktail and therefore your closest friends check in for two nights and have a destination wedding style wedding in the hometown so which means they don't have to uh, we all know how it's it's not even easy now to um, you know uh, the, the domestic journeys are also not easy with with the numbers soaring and checks increasing sometimes you have to wait for a very long time uh, so therefore it's all about the fact that you don't have to travel far to enjoy and uh, we've seen that happening during covid right so uh, people are traveling a lot to places close to their hometown and also exploring new locations in the country and that is what we have even seen with destination weddings that uh, you know the mayfair properties in uh, northeast uh, the newer taj resorts um, which are uh, in some of the spiritual destinations these are all locations which people are traveling to for weddings as well as milestone celebrations for our listeners can you just name these new uh, happening destinations that you are referring to sure there is the mayfair uh, resort in um, siliguri there's a taj hotel in darjeeling and um, rishikesh there is uh, jw marriott and um, itc property in masuri there is the sheraton and intercontinental in mahabalipuram uh, then there is uh, pondicherry there are many locations which were till recently not big on destination weddings and you know what you call the the hill stations which didn't even have many five star hotels with adequate inventory and they are many of them are still not uh, very practical because you do not have flight connectivity you know whether if you know you may have to drive down four or five hours but um, they are all with with the interest and what happens is in many locations you cannot even have a wedding in the outdoors either because of the monsoons or uh, uh, the summers so therefore the hnis are all going back to the hill stations just as how the newlyweds would head to the hills for their honeymoons in the 70s or the 80s and then you know a couple of decades later everybody started going abroad for their honeymoons and now we find 30 years later uh for the hni segment honeymoons are um, the hill stations are the destination for smaller celebrations at least if not for the wedding so in a way lockdown and covid 19 uh, has been a blessing for indian economy especially for india and indian hill stations uh this is good news yes and it's india shining indian destinations so it is all about travel within your country since traveling abroad is not so easy now and may not even be for a few more months you know before we proceed uh, to the next uh, question uh, listeners would be very keen to understand which are your favorite uh, or which properties indian properties 
to host a big fat indian wedding which according to you is your favorite one i really like the taj falaknuma palace in um, hyderabad obviously that is beautiful uh, that's yeah. uh, one location in uh, beautiful uh, i like the intercontinental in mahabalipuram it's a very nice uh, ride from the chennai airport and intercontinental is a very nice beach property and i like all the properties in mahabalipuram be it sheraton radisson and uh, fisherman's cove uh, i uh, in bombay of course taj mahal palace is uh, is my favorite always in um, in uh, in rajasthan it would be uh, fairmont jaipur and uh, the leela udaipur and uh, I have not uh, traveled I have traveled a lot uh, around Kerala but I have not attended a wedding there and I look forward to visiting the Grand Hyatt uh, Kochi one day uh, and uh, yeah so that kind of covers um, uh, most of uh, and uh, Goa I have attended a lot of uh, destination weddings but each property has a a charm of its own So besides these what are the other challenges or problems that the luxury wedding industry experienced during the lockdown I think they were just not prepared for these frequent changes in rules and I think many of them were just living in denial thinking everything will be back to normal in a few months those who were prepared for the long haul or changed their business model or launched a new wedding vertical or a vertical not necessarily related to weddings only it could be any business vertical and or those who who said hey you know what i'm going to take all the precautions and i'm going to step out and i'm just not going to remote control like you know my my workers are on site and i'm sitting at home uh, so people who ventured out with all precautions who were mentally prepared for the long haul have done well and will continue to do well and um, i do not see these as major cha- cha- challenges anymore because we are all learning to live with my ambiguity so even those who are planning a wedding in december they know if everything goes off as per plan we thank the god but if for whatever reasons uh, cases rise and there are guest cancellations you need to be prepared with a plan b and what is very important at the end of it all is the wedding needs to happen because that itself is a blessing so we have changed a lot that everything does not have to go as per plan you don't have to be rigid or dogmatic about what you want you have to be happy with what happens in the prevailing circumstances thanks thanks so much parthip uh talking about big fat indian wedding can you give us some insights what actually the big fat indian wedding entails and do you have do you remember some peculiar instances that you can recall and you cannot really forget would you be in a position to share that with us listeners sure uh, you know i think there are so many surprises which come when you um, you know you are attending your first few weddings and um, 
uh, I still remember that, uh, you know, when I attended the first, one of the biggest engagements which happened at the Sheraton Huahin, it was just amazing to see the number of professionals who had flown down from Bangkok in Thailand, Dubai, uh, Bombay, and Delhi from India to be a part of the many setups and um, how the planner worked behind the scenes to create such different themes and more than anything else to ensure that the bride and the groom made the most dramatic entry. What also got me interested is how at many of the ultra HNI weddings, there is not one but multiple wedding planners. There could be one wedding planner from the boy's side, one wedding planner from the girl's side, one who specializes in entertainment, the other one who is coordinating the decor, uh, and the other one who is probably managing the hospitality. Uh, but what is very interesting is that it does not matter what the company name is. All these various elements of the Indian, you know, which go, which go into creating the Indian wedding are managed by people you trust most. So those could be your secretary uh, or an event management friend or an uncle or an aunt or a wedding planner among others. So that is what makes the organization or structure of the Indian wedding so unique. You don't need to be running a full-fledged wedding planning company to, to be managing or taking part responsibility of wedding planning at a wedding. I remember uh, one of the uh, weddings in Mauritius, uh, which I attended, it was a destination wedding. Uh, during that wedding, we were all quite taken aback with the entry of bride and groom. It was in a, in a boat and, uh, uh, you know, there was a ship and a boat and I the amount of, you know, the minute details that they had to organize because of the crackers and the, and the flowers and the, how the flowers, timing of the flowers, the entry and sudden popping up of the bride and the groom from nowhere. So it was, it was, it was really, really, really a, a spectacular event to watch. And I can never forget that. But you are absolutely correct. And a lot to uh, do with your trusted ones who actually um, help uh, get this event uh, and make it memorable. Absolutely. You know, for our listeners, this uh, uh, we will not uh, leave this opportunity that's now that we have got you on uh, on our, sh on our show, our listeners have to uh, be, you know, benefiting the most. And uh, the potential bride and grooms often, you know, uh, have to deal with vendors within this industry. Wedding Sutra is a platform where you must be, uh, you know, dealing and interacting with so many vendors. So we really require your help uh, to understand how does a potential groom and bride ensure that they have got value for money? Because this industry is largely quite uh, unorganized when it comes to dealing with vendors. Be it your makeup artist, be it your uh, wedding, uh, you know, the setup, uh, the flower person. Uh, I, the list can go on. I think you are in a better position to add on to this. Yes, I think uh, one is, of course, um, 
Today, brides and grooms do a lot of research on the web. They also take references from their friend and um, they check on costings. Yes, you know, uh, during auspicious dates, when vendors know that the number of <laughs> inquiries is much more than they can handle, the rates are higher. So, so therefore, I think viewing the work of the vendor on social media, checking reviews, uh, taking recommendations from ex-clients, also taking recommendations from the venues because all these vendors are working at the venues and the venue will be able to tell them, uh, you know, how the vendor is when it comes to execution, when it comes to timelines, among other things. Uh, and I think beyond that, I just tell somebody, whoever is the vendor you decide on, if of course cost is an important factor, the second factor could be the style, especially, you know, when it comes to uh, decor or other things. But how comfortable are you in interacting with the vendor? Because when you are, it is, it is not going to be necessarily a very professional interaction the way it is with in a corporate house between a client and an agency. Uh, whether it is your photographer or your DJ, there is a certain trust which is required. After all, you are going to be sparing, sharing special moments from your special day with this vendor or the person who is running the company. And therefore, whoever you choose, choose somebody you just enjoy the interaction with. That does not mean the vendor has to be... Um, a very friendly outgoing person a vendor could be a very quiet worker who is quietly doing his work but basis the interactions you've had in the uh, in the in the business development or proposal making stage you will be able to gauge whether this person's working style or personal style is in sync with what you want or expect at your wedding while while you you were very kindly explained uh, uh, in detail about this uh, very helpful tips also but i'm going to stay with this question and ask you something further often brides and grooms when they are discussing they struggle to understand and this you would relate with how do they ensure that the prices that are being quoted are correct or what is the benchmark because here there is no rate card you, you're not even able to fall back. Absolutely. Unlike, yes. you know, hotels where you can go and check website. There is nothing. And, you know, and there is such a, you know, you could, there are photographers who are priced at 50,000. There are photographers who are priced at 25 lakhs. There are makeup artists who charge 20,000 per look. And there are makeup artists who charge two and a half lakhs. What you need to be clear on is right at the beginning, hmm, uh, know what your budget is and when you are talking about your if you are reaching up uh, I'll give an example if you are reaching out to a certain venue today with the things are certain luxury venues of uh, hotel chains are taking on only taking on weddings if the minimum billing is one crore a day for the venues and the rooms so it's just important to when you start with the venue you obviously start with the venue because base is the venue, your other vendors come in. So it doesn't make sense always to get a, a, a decorator from Chennai or Delhi if your wedding is happening in Bombay or Lonavla, unless you know that decorator and you really want that decorator's style. So once you fix your venue, 
you will be able to figure out who are the vendors because even the vendors and the venues go hand in hand because vendors of a certain pricing work with certain venues because the clients out there are spending a certain amount so there are luxury five stars there are five stars there are premium four stars four stars independent venues so this is a very wide market where in in, our, in india there could be a large majority of people who are having a budget a wedding where the budget is 5 lakhs to 25 lakhs and there are there are so many people maybe thousands who are having a budget uh, a wedding where the budget is 3 crore plus and therefore the vendors are all servicing requirements for a wedding which could start say at 5 lakhs and could go up to 50 crores <laughs> so that is the kind of wedding. so then that because yeah that becomes a challenge for all the uh, brides and grooms to then understand that actually the price that has been demanded is it the right price or it's not the right price and if they are uh, the price is higher and they th- what is the scope for negotiation have they got value for money that's a, such a tough uh, tough time for bride and groom to be realizing you know to understand especially when they have a budget because because when it when you're on a budget then it's just important to be upfront and tell the vendor that hey you know what uh, i don't have much of a budget so the person will say hey you know what the main photographer may be not may not be available but we do have another team which could work around in this budget similarly with a makeup artist so she may say you know what i only take on work where which is where the where the bride is paying me 75000 per look but i do have team members who do makeup at one third the price so you saying budget is the key once you are clear about the budget and then that having yeah. the uh, even but obviously everybody is getting married for the first time they will not know how to allocate the budget so that is where their own research or talking to the venue on approximate early what vendors charge even reaching out to uh, some vendors to to get a ballpark estimate and and be upfront and say hey you know what I'm not sure if I can afford your fee but do give me a ballpark estimate just and it's the same for everything else if you go to a, a jeweler or jewelry designer he will ask for your budget if you go to a designer you have designer lehengas at 1 lakh and you have designer lehengas at 30 lakh so do not feel you know kind of uncomfortable stating what your budget is what what vendors and designers and jewelers appreciate is honesty because different people have different priorities yeah i know some hnis in delhi who spend 5000 rupees per plate or 10000 rupees per plate for grand buffet dinner but i also know hnis in 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 say a bangalore or a chennai who may be having a simple wedding at a kalyana mandapam where the breakfast is available at 250 rupees per plate and a very very elaborate lunch at 650 per plate so everybody's priorities are different and of course the dynamics in the place also uh, in the place you live in of course impact what pricing of the vendors is which again changes from venue to venue thank you for the explanation and talking about tips do you have tips for uh, the um, potential bride and groom who are looking to get married next year 
where and how they should begin if i think i would leave with a very simple message different people have different styles but do whatever makes you happy don't stress the small stuff uh if you want think ahead but the execution it doesn't make sense for you to lock in everything too much in advance unless you're very clear you want a vendor only and you don't want that you know vendor to be booked by somebody else so just have fun in the process and plan for it's in such a way that you do not you you keep everyone happy you are happy and um, everything will be just the way you envisaged it to be which is uh, your special day with people you love and those memories will be there with you for life and whenever you want to relive those memories go back to your album and flip through those photographs uh of your moments to to smile and uh, cherish forever and since this is a lux podcast we have to ask you our uh, one question which is is there a particular luxury item that you own and cherish in your personal collection for me it would be anything which i can which is versatile and which which where i look good in photos so it would be uh, a shivan and naresh pocket square uh, a bandgala by anita dongre it could be um, something simple which i own which i could have probably bought from uh, uh, from a very ordinary store uh, even a compliment from somebody who is a luxe enthusiast makes a simple item a luxe item for me straight from your heart ha huh? with that we really wish to thank you on behalf of even the listeners what a fantastic uh, session we had with you and you have been very kind explaining to us taking effort in uh, going into details and sharing with our potential bride and grooms who are planning to tie knot next year i'm sure they will they will thank you a lot besides we thanking you uh, for your time thank you parthip it was brilliant brilliant talking to you anita i must say you're not only an ace marketer you also make for uh, a very good uh, journalist also your style of asking questions <laughs> so that's really nice and uh, this has been uh, you know even answering your questions has got me to think and you know learn something about myself and the industry while uh, answering so kudos to you for putting together such interesting questions for me well uh, we all learn and we all uh, uh, thank you thank you is all i can say and i do, do agree with you on times of india bit yes thanks thanks to uh, where we come from we were fortunate uh, the times were different uh, things have changed when it comes to media industry today but we were the fortunate lot is all i can say everything has changed but that is the way of life right anita everything that's changes that's true that's true that's true <laughs> once again thanks parthip we are not going to not reach you again i'm sure we will uh, we will reach you back maybe in next 2022 with uh, some more questions if we can uh, uh, help oh i'm looking forward to that already anita uh, thank you thank you parthip thanks thanks a lot with that It's a wrap on this week's 
episode. Make sure you subscribe to or follow this podcast wherever you're listening to it right now so you don't miss out on the next episode. Thank you for listening to this episode of Lux Insider. I'm your host Anita Khatri and I'll be back next week with yet another exciting episode.